Welcome to the Cracking Night Show, the only podcast on the planet dedicated to the two youngest teams in the NHL. That, of course, is the Seattle Kraken and the Vegas Golden Knights. Your host, as always, is myself, Ian, and my co-host, JP, breaking down the latest and greatest going on with our two favorite teams. And JP, we've got a fair bit to talk about this week, mate, but you must be riding on cloud nine after last week. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's a good time <laughs> to be a Knights smile. fan right now. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> listen, I, it can always change and often does. So yeah, I'll enjoy it while it lasts. But yeah, Knights are Knights are rolling right now for sure. How you doing, man? You good? I'm good. I'm good. We've had, um, I, I, you know, I, I mentioned it on Twitter, and one of the guys from the 32 crew messaged back, which I did just, uh, you know, just a kind of thumbs up emoji, just understanding the pain. But it's weird being a Seattle Kraken fan because one week you're beating the Colorado Avalanche, the next week you're losing to Chicago, and then you go and you, you know, it, it's just like we just can't seem to get a run together. So everything is kind of up or down. Um, there's just that little lack of consistency with the team. But um, hey, look. Yeah. I remember last year very well, and this is an improvement. For sure. And and I checked the stats last night in the standings, and I believe Seattle was sitting in the second wildcard spot at, at, at that time when I checked it. So, I mean, you know, this is still, uh, you know, something to middle of for. the road or slightly above. So it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's, all is not lost yet. But I hear you. It's a consistency issue at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. But then if you just said to me on day one, would I have taken 500 for the season? I would say, yeah, because I think that's, that is an improvement in itself on last year. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm pretty, pretty chuffed with that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So we're going to try a slightly new format today um, without freaking out listeners. It's not that, it's not that drastic a change for people going, oh my God, what are they going to do? Um, we're still going to talk about hockey and we're still going to talk about Vegas and Seattle, but we're going to cover the, Week's results for both teams quickly go through that and our kind of main takeaways from the week. And then we're going to hop into two topics um, that we've decided to cover this week. And we'll do that, obviously, weeks going forward as well. Um, We're going to be picking up the locker room and how that impacts a team positively and negatively. And we're going to be picking up the issue, if you will have it as an issue, but the topic, I guess, is probably a better way of, of putting it around Shane Wright and what that means for him. And again, what our thoughts are on, on how things are being handled and, and what could be next for, for Shane and, and, how, and how we move forward. It, now, we talked about Vegas very quickly there, JP, but just to summarize the weeks for those people that haven't seen it, you kicked off with a win 3-1 against Toronto on Monday. Uh, Tuesday saw you beat the San Jose Sharks. Uh, I'm tempted to use the laughing again, but actually they're not the bottom of the NHL because they managed to beat a team that even more needs the uh, the laughing sound effect, which is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, in an OT victory, obviously Mr. Carlson doing that the other day. Um, mm-hmm. But for Vegas, to end the perfect week after two wins back-to-back, you then went and got shut out against Anaheim, which is, uh, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, um, like I said, it's been a good week to be a Knights fan and, Mm. Uh, these are not, um, these are earned wins for sure. That's not, you know, Anaheim obviously is not doing great right now. So maybe not the toughest competition, but you know how it is in the NHL. Any team can take it to you if you fall asleep. And, um, the Knights have been playing very well. Uh, It's, it's been really fun to watch. Um, it's not Mm. perfect as we've mentioned, but, uh, I'm seeing some, seen some incredible hockey out there. Uh, there's a, there was one period, uh, I can't remember which game it might've been the first game of the week, but I remember there was a stretch of about 10 minutes where I, I got on Twitter and said, that's one of the best stretches of hockey I've seen out of this team in a really long time. Like, mm. the, like the, the yeah. kind of puck movement and the kind of relentless four check and the kind of stuff that makes teams really scary. And they had about a 10 minute stretch there where I was like, oh my gosh, these guys look incredible. Like there's some mm-hmm. cool stuff happening out there. So yeah, it was a big week for sure. And yeah, the shutout that I, Logan Thompson now has two shutouts, two shutouts this year and three total mm-hmm. in his NHL he career. Uh, he's, he's rolling as well. So um, yeah, he's starting to look it while it's like here. a real deal. Mm-hmm. You know? For sure. For sure. Um, and, uh, and look, you know, we, we were open 
ourselves on this podcast about having concerns with would he be able to handle the workload it was a big step up was it going to be too much too soon all these kinds of questions that people had rightfully so i know that he didn't like them but it is right you know you would it was it's a normal question to ask but actually mm. you know he's proving everybody that he can that he can do this and and it's you know what a difference it makes when you can when you can rely on your goaltender to make a save you know when you throughout games it's just it doesn't need to be shut out like he's doing but it just is night on night play and you get this from Aiden Hill as well to be honest oh, is yeah. the defense they know that there's a rock solid goaltender behind them whatever night of the week it is so I'm not mm-hmm. surprised you guys are rolling but um yeah our predictions for Vegas by the way are starting to look better and better mate with uh you know don't want to rub it in Mike's face too soon, but uh, they're like they're going to make the playoffs. You know, didn't Mike, um, fr- Mike, our guest from a couple of weeks ago? Um, yeah, didn't he say on Twitter something to the effect of, "Can I change what I said?" Because remember, he predicted like the Knights are going to miss the playoffs, and and he say, "Can I take back what I said about the Knights missing the playoffs?" Like he already feels differently about it, but. Yeah. That's the funny thing about sports. You can predict all you want and and really it's just educated predictions, but you never, it's complicated. You never know how it's going to go. So it really is. And you can see that in the standings and, you know, look, it's early days. It's a Mickey Mouse league at this point. You know, I, we all get that. We all understand mm-hmm. that, but we're enough games in now where form is starting to take effect. Yeah, and teams trends. Start, yeah. trend, that's the word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, this is why this duo works so well. So trends are exactly <laughs> what I'm looking for. Because you are starting to see that. Like you, said, you mentioned the Ducks, who are now rock bottom in the NHL. That's not a massive surprise for most diehard Anaheim fans. They, they knew mm-hmm. that getting rid of Getzlav and this kind of changing the guard, that it was... It, you know, Zegers is great, but they knew they weren't going to be a playoff contender. They just hoped to be competitive. So they're kind of trending where you expected them to. There's a few teams I think are still punching above their weight. Buffalo would be one, ignoring obviously mm-hmm. the Seattle um, victory and, and obviously Chicago, which is Chicago for a team that are tanking are doing a bad job at it because they're actually, they're actually winning games, which is, uh, which is, yeah. which is the GM must be sat there going, oh, bugger, I didn't want to be this good. Um, so you know, <laughs> right. the worst thing you can do when you're trying to tank is like finish middle of the road. Cause then you've achieved absolutely nothing. So yeah, you get, um, you get neither hey. benefit. Yeah. You don't get the yeah, playoff exactly. run and you don't get, or nor do you get the good draft draft position or whatever. So yeah, yeah it's, um, the, you know, the other thing every year, the, the, the seasons, you know, the season standings creates one picture. This happens every year. And mm-hmm. then by a couple of months, two or three, two or three months into the season, that picture is drastically different. It's always like that. So there's there's some teams that just always start a little slow, right? That just take <laughs> a little while to kind of get things figured out. And and like Tampa mm-hmm. hasn't been off to the hottest start, not the kind of start you would expect out of them. But I would point, that doesn't yeah. mean that Tampa's not going to be right there in the mix by the end. Like I'm, I'm fairly certain they will be barring something cataclysmic. And then, yeah, I remember mm-hmm. a couple seasons ago, Buffalo won 10 in a row. They won their first 10 games. Do you remember that season? I do remember that season. Everybody's yes. like, Buffalo's rolling. It's Buffalo, you know, <laughs> wow, this young team, exciting <laughs> things happening. And then star wipe to the standings at the end of the season, and they were totally in the basement. So uh, the beginning <laughs> of the season is a weird thing, which is why it's important, right, for us to not, like, I'm excited about the Knights. Um, and I do think I see a seriously good team here but mm. like you said trends but maybe you know we can't uh, can't take it to the bank just yet but things are looking good no but you can enjoy it and this is what um I, yeah. the for those of the people listening maybe it's the first episode you're listening to other than obviously doing a podcast uh sales is my uh, kind of real job if you will and i always say to my team you gotta celebrate the wins um you know even any good moment for that matter when you're going through life because you know there's not always enough of them as or not as many of them as you'd like uh, and you know the losses are going to hurt so at the moment for the Knights fans I would say you know you want that pinch of salt next to you mm-hmm. but but don't start chewing it like it just enjoy the wins like it's fine it's fine to be excited about what's going on there and, and the team the way they're playing 
it's mm-hmm. just good. Like I said, I mean, I watched the Anaheim game this morning, um, and and like you said, there was you, Anaheim never really looked like they were going to cause you any trouble. It was as commanding a game as I've seen the Knights play in a while, and and most of the, the Knights games I've watched recently have kind of felt like that, mm-hmm. where it's a case of you know, how many are they going to score? I mean, even San Jose. 4-2 probably flattered San Jose, to be honest, because it wasn't really a 4-2 game in, in the way it felt anyway. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that game easily could have been 6-2, 7-2 by the end of mm-hmm. it. But something about Cassidy's defensive systems as well and the and their, their clicking, right? It's like they play a little more defense than, than they have on average in the past. Good. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of like being hemmed in their own zone, like in, in the Knights defensive zone. But it's interesting because the, the defensive system is clearly designed to be able to withstand that. And, and what they do really well um, is it's not that the other team doesn't get shots, but they don't get great. They're, they're stopping a lot of the high danger chances, a lot of the quality shots. So mm-hmm. they're getting shots from the outside, right? I mean, right, this is a tactic that a lot of teams use. So it's interesting. It's not that it's not that teams don't get any possession at all. It's just not quality possession. So it's, and I think that's the plan. I think that's Cassidy's yeah. system at work. So it's, uh, it's fascinating because watching it, you're like, oh, wow, that, you know, it's, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't always feel like they're getting stomped because he's like, well, the other team's moving the puck. But if you watch closely, it's, yeah, it's those quality chances. It, they're, they're mm-hmm. just, like I said, shots from the outside. And then Thompson or Hill can easily handle those a lot of the time. So, the defensive system is really uh, reaping benefits already, you know, Cassidy systems, which I, I would like to understand more as the season goes forward, but I can see it for sure. Yeah. And it's such a massive factor. I was listening to the 32 Thoughts podcast uh, the other day, and uh, Elliot Friedman had a great comment. I think it was a quote from somebody else, and I'm probably going to get the verbiage all wrong here, but, um, but he basically said that it's what you do when you haven't got the puck that matters. Because mm-hmm. remember, you only going to have it probably fifty percent of the time, and the mm-hmm. good teams are the teams that can, you know, use the puck well, of course, but also can handle not having the puck and can win it back and can defend properly. So, um, yeah, it's good to see the Knights doing that, and that the results are, are playing. You know, there's some, there's some tough teams. You know, San Jose aren't an awful team. I know we like to rip them on this podcast, but they're not an awful team. Uh, Anaheim aren't a dreadful team either. They've got some dangerous players of which you wouldn't have noticed any of mm-hmm. them in that game because they weren't there. There was no lacrosse goals going on in that game. And right. uh, and Toronto are a team full of A-star talent. I know they're not playing like it right now, but they're still dangerous. And again, mm-hmm. it was another it was another one where it was really dominated by the Knights. So yeah. so good. You can't have a better week, can you, mate? Let's be honest. Other than winning the Sunday Cup, of course. So. Uh, it was a, it was a good week, and it, it's also really nice when you have a period of time where all of the trash talkers, like everybody, talks trash. But <laughs> let's face do it, they? like people love to talk. <laughs> do they? No, every people love to talk trash about the Knights more than mm-hmm. your average team, just based on the night the the Golden Knights history. And right, we've talked about this, so it's nice to have a few weeks it where does. a lot of the trash talk stops, where everybody just kind of shuts up because they have to. <laughs> it's just a it's a it's a nice reprieve you know exactly and surely like now like people can look at the roster and say okay actually this is good we've got balance mm-hmm. we've got three probably four really but three very scary lines i mean it is you know it's 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 fantastic and you, yeah you're getting production across the piece i mean white cloud was in a fight like this is all crazy <laughs> stuff going on you know <laughs> yeah. like so it's just right. Yeah, it's fantastic. Love yeah. it. And uh, like you said, let's week. hope. Yeah, let's hope it carries on, mate. Let's hope it carries on. Absolutely. Now, flicking across, I'll uh, there we go. Use a little transition there to the team who are, are the definition of five hundred right now because we are we are one thing or the other. So I watched the Chicago game. Uh, which was obviously Sunday while we were recording last time, um, and uh, and and my wife took great pleasure in Chicago beating the Seattle Kraken. Although, like I said earlier, 
she did say every time we win like it just feels like it makes the season a little bit more pointless but um but it was it was it was a really it was a good actually back and forth game to be honest at 5-4 it finished and it probably could have gone either way being honest uh, and then and then we go and like two days later smash buffalo 5-1 a buffalo team that were on a roll when they came into uh, the beginning of a homestand as well so when they came into climate pledge arena so Great win, and you're thinking, okay, here we go, Vancouver. Well, Vancouver haven't won a game all season, so surely I'm going to put them to the sword. Nope, we lose 5-3 to those in a game where some of the defensive issues that we that I didn't see in the Buffalo game then come back to haunt us again. Um, some sloppy goals. Uh, it was 5-3, uh, no, sorry, 5-4, but it was essentially 5-3 because we scored with like, 10 seconds to go or something at the very end. I think uh, Schwartz got a goal with like uh, 25 or something seconds to go. It could have probably finished 5-3 the other way and you, you you wouldn't have noticed. Thatcher Demko is doing his best to kind of drag that Vancouver team into a win. It was Boudreaux's 600th win as a coach as well. And I really like Bruce Boudreaux. It's a shame that he is head coach to a team that I can't stand. Um, but he's a nice guy. Um, so I'm glad we could provide him <laughs> win number 600. Um, and but So then we, then we face against Pittsburgh. And you're thinking, well, surely Pittsburgh, team that they are, the quality they have, uh, Gensel was back. Like I thought this isn't going to go well for us. But we go and win 3-1. Uh, so I just don't know what you're going to get. Like it is, they are the Forrest Gump of the NHL right now. Like we I just don't know if we're going to beat a team 6-1 or we're yeah. going to lose 6-1. And you could argue, Ian, that makes it exciting to watch. I would say yeah. it makes it stressful to watch, not exciting. Sure. So we yeah. end the week 500 and you've probably got the stats in front of you, but we are 500 for the season. It's like we just we are the team of one thing or the other. That is, that mm. is the Seattle Kraken. Yeah, absolutely. It's like you said, uh, we said earlier, it's a consistency issue. And I mean, I'm encouraged by the score lines this week. If so, right, the Vancouver game, if it's a goal, you know, if that last goal that they scored was right at the end, you could argue that maybe it was more like a 5 3 game. But, you know, that both losses were one goal losses. And they were, yep. Close yeah. And, and now, given you know, you're going to win some hockey games by one goal. And that's part of what separates like the teams that are doing really well is that they can squeeze out wins by one goal. That being said, when you lose by one, it means you're right in there, right? You're, you're really close. And on another day, that game could have gone a different direction. So I'm encouraged by those score lines, especially if you consider, right. There've been a couple games where they did get stomped, right? Like the Vegas game, the Carolina game, right. Those were, those were, you know, kind of beatings. And and so you, you hope to not <laughs> see too many of those, but, no. um, but you know, 500 on a week, uh, on a week like this with four games and, and the two losses were one goal losses. Yes. That's, um, you know, I, that's encouraging to me. They're, they're close. They're right in there. And, um, you know, if, if the, on a, on another week, you could play that exact same round of games and and win three out of four or win four out of four, right? But uh, you know, you know me, I'm eternally Mr. Brightside too, so that probably doesn't make Kraken fans <laughs> feel any better about those losses. But <laughs> no, you're right, mate. You're right, and you know, we, there's some things in there as well. I mean, this is let's be honest. That week, that was with, with no Grubauer, so Martin Jones right. was in net for. I'm pretty certain he was in net for all four games. I, yeah. He may be was flicked in one of the back-to-backs between yeah. Chicago and Buffalo. He was definitely in for Chicago, so maybe he wasn't in for Buffalo. I can't remember now, but he was definitely in last night for Pittsburgh. And to a 34, 36, he faced a lot of shots, and he mm. actually looked good. Uh, look, you know, long-term listeners, you know that I am not Martin Jones' biggest fan. I think it would be safe to say. Um, but hats off to him. Last night, he was good. You know, he, he I'm not sure he quite won us the game, but if it had been really bad, we probably would have lost. So, you know, he's he's playing well. And if we can get Grubauer back and Grubauer can, you know, the, then hopefully hopefully we can turn 500 into 600 or 700 and then you start rocking and rolling, don't you? So, uh, and you start getting nearer the, nearer the playoffs. Now, 
Grubauer is actually a good point. I'm just, I'm not going to, I'm just going to very quickly see if I can find out how long he's out for. Um, Knowing typical NHL, it probably doesn't, uh, yeah, classic NHL, lower body injury. Just tell us what it bloody is. It's really annoying that they they do that. And I know there's reasons. Always speaking Um, code. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's in his general lower area. And you're like, thanks. <laughs> so it's not his arms is what you're telling right. me. Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> but he's he's on the injury reserve list now, which is why I was just Googling that then. Oh, he is. Um, because oh, so that means longer. That was my fear, you yeah. see. And because we're told diddly squat uh, in yeah. terms of news, I don't know how so long not LTIR though, not long-term injured reserve. No, just no, standard no, just, injured reserve. Just IR, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but IR definitely means it's not day to day. Like IR it's not day to day applies exactly, week yeah. week to week. So that's yep. a that's a bummer. Although, like you said, Jones did a formidable job this week. Uh, I mean, you know, <laughs> two wins out of four in close games. So it's you know, uh, all hope is not lost. But it's a bummer to, to lose Grubauer like that this early for sure. <laughs> oh you know. mate. Love it. The eternal optimist. Your optimistic vibes and my, I would, I would say realistic. Some would say negative. Uh, equals out to this nice balance. Nice yeah, balance. That's yeah, fine. Okay. Yeah. Together we're um, mellow, man. Yeah. <laughs> we said we were going to go through two topics, which we are. Um, I, well, we, we can start on either one, to be honest. Um, we were flowing with the Seattle Kraken now. So let's do, let's finish on a more positive note for the podcast. Let's cover the Shane Wright <laughs> issue now. Because <laughs> okay. um, Shane Wright is something that has kind of been bubbling away in the background. That when you hear my thoughts on it, you'll probably know why, why I haven't personally brought it up before now. But it was a question that was asked via our Twitter during the week and i promised everybody that if you asked us a question on twitter that we would respond on the podcast and to be honest and thank you rita for for asking the question mm. when she raised it i thought this probably needs talking about now because obviously it's gained a lot more heat in the last probably week but certainly yeah. the last kind of 48 72 hours sure yeah rita was on the front end of it but people are talking yeah. about it for sure yeah yeah, yeah, exactly, and uh, it's it is so. So, just for for summary, because I understand as well that some people who listen to the podcast may not be up with everything on both teams. So, just to explain who Shane Wright is, so Shane Wright was predicted to be first overall in the twenty twenty two draft. That's the draft that happened a couple of months ago. Now he's been predicted to go first in that draft for. Ever. So we're talking back four or five years ago. He's he was still predicted to be number one because this kid, when he was in his like under sixteens, was absolutely lighting up juniors. So some of his numbers, by the way, and he was playing for a team called the Don Mills Flyers in the under sixteens. And if anybody except for myself happens to know who those are, fair play, because I didn't before researching <laughs> before the show. Um but he put up 150 points in 72 games and did something similar the year afterwards. Then he went into the OHL um, Kingston and put up pretty good numbers. Um, He put up 66 points in 1920 and then he put up 94 points last year. Now there is the awkwardness with the OHL because OHL did shut down for COVID. So he did lose a year in terms of statistics um, I think what kind of what year it was, but one of the years in between now and 1920, he lost a year when COVID was impacted. Um, and obviously, we know that junior hockey, and this isn't a Shane Wright thing. This was the same for lots and lots of other players in all different leagues. But obviously, COVID hasn't helped in terms of statistics. So I don't want to read too much into his OHL stats. Is what I'm saying. But he was still predicted to go first overall. It was only really as they got closer to the draft, and with about three or four months out, that people started saying actually. We think Slavkovsky is going to go first. And obviously that's what happened. So there's always been a little bit of noise around Shane Wright from the second that Seattle drafted him because everybody's been saying, why did he go fourth? Why didn't he go first? Is he a bust? You know, I've heard all sorts of rumors. And this isn't from just fans. This is from media outlets as well. Does he have a problem with his attitude? Everyone then went on about the stare, you know, like the stare to the to the Montreal 
bench, which uh, Shane Wright said he didn't do, but he clearly did. By the way, as somebody who's who's thrown one of those stairs in his life, you know when somebody's like evil staring you down, and uh, and he was definitely doing that. Because the kid was pissed, right? He thought he was going to be first overall pick. Now that the kid's young, so for him that matters. The first thing that Matty Benia should be saying to Shane Wright is, mate, who gives a shit where you go first, second, third, fourth, fifth? Everybody forgets that. You know, Trevor Zegras is a prime example of that. There's history of first round picks that were busts, history of third of, of third overall picks that, you know, that have, have made it. So, so it's that. But what's happened now is that Seattle decided to A, sign Shane Wright to a contract, which is not a massive surprise. That tends to happen with first-round picks anyways. They get signed to contracts, and then normally they'll float off back to juniors. The contract will sit there in a drawer, and there's no dramas. And in terms of rules with the NHL, just to get really boring around rules. I've done my stats boring bit. Now we're going to do rules as well. This is an exciting podcast episode. <laughs> um, and uh, and the rules, the way they work is, is that he's allowed to play nine games. So he's a trial, a trial period for nine games, at which point Seattle have to make a choice. Does he stay in the NHL or does he go back to juniors? Because of his nationality, obviously he's Canadian, he can't go and play in the AHL yet because he's not old enough to do that. So he has to go and sit in back into junior. So he goes back to Kingston, I would presume. And the good news from Kraken's perspective is it doesn't burn a year of his contract. So when he comes back, he still has that first year, I believe. Now, if he plays over the nine games, it does burn a year of his contract. And the actual burning of the contract here isn't a big issue because, you know, it is what it is. We're talking the other episode. It's pretty cheap. Um, but what is making waves right now is whilst Shane Wright has played the first five games of the season, he has yet to hit the ice since game five. So in those five games, he scored one point, which was against Chicago. He got an assist. But actually every other game in that five-game stint, he didn't score a single point. He's yet to score an NHL goal. And he's been playing, an, on average, six minutes a night, six to seven minutes a night, which is obviously not a lot. So he got benched. Then he got benched again. And then he got benched again. And this, now that everybody knows he's a healthy scratch, that's what started the noise of people saying, what are Seattle doing? Why are they benching their first overall pick? Is there issues with him? Is there something wrong in terms of, you know, his, is, is, is he not good enough, but they don't want to send him down. Everyone's trying to like piece this together. Cause obviously Seattle have said nada. They've said nothing. Ron Francis did actually come out um, in the last 24 hours and say, talk about the issue. And what he said was obviously not ideal. I think was the term he used in terms of the amount of minutes that Shane Wright was getting. He said it's not ideal for Shane Wright and that they want him to play more. But I think there's a few issues here. So uh, so I've tried to get my notes together so I can I can kind of make an articulate point here. The first thing I want to say, and, I, and obviously feel free to chip in any time, JP, but the kid is a kid, right? Okay, I know that sounds obvious, but he is. What he does this season means absolutely dick in the long term. He can go and put up 30 goals. Okay, that's fine. Plenty of people have had great first seasons and done nothing ever since. Not everybody's going to do Austin Matthews and score a hat trick on their first game. Okay, it's just not everybody, not all the, you know, plenty of first round picks aren't going to do that. I don't think there's any harm in accepting that he isn't NHL ready yet and putting him back into juniors. That's not, I think people looking at him as because he's only scored one point in five games, he's a bust. You feel like saying, Jesus Christ, I have any idea on how development actually works in terms of players. Like some players take years before they, they, they sprout. I mean, there's players in the NHL who are classes being the top, top, top players. Thinking like Fox on the New York Rangers, who spent a lot of time playing college hockey until he joined. And it's just not always a straight line with this sort of stuff. So first and foremost, I think whatever Kraken decide, you know, if he does get sent down, it will become a big news story because of this, but it shouldn't be because the kid's really young, 
really, really young. It's almost like because the last couple of years, the first couple of picks have always ended up straight in the NHL because they tend to join teams that are rebuilding. So the roster spots are there. So the other issue, so point number two here, is it's okay saying you want to give him more than six minutes a night, but you've already got a roster full of, of players. So who are you who are you dropping out the first three lines, right? So he plays center. Um, I probably should have mentioned that earlier, but Shane Wright plays center, which means that he would have to displace Matthew Beniers, not going to happen, Alexander Wenberg, not going to happen, or Yanni Gord, not going to happen. So the only other option is that he plays on the wing and play, takes occasional face-offs and, you know, kind of what you see with Jared McCann where he will play center sometimes, but he generally plays on the wing. Mm-hmm. But then the top three lines for Seattle, for the wingers, you've got Swartz, Eberle, Burakovsky, Bjorkstrand, McCann, and Tanev. So my biggest issue with all of this, and I'll let you speak now, JP, is I get what people are saying about saying he should have more minutes tonight. But the problem I would have if I was the coach is I would say, what do you want me to do, Ron? Do you want me to put out a team that I know is going to be less in terms of quality because you want this kid to play or do you want me to win games? Because at the moment we're winning games, admittedly 50%. But those those top three lines, I don't know where he fits in. And that's me being honest, right? I don't think he's good enough right now to displace Jordan Eberle or Jaden Swartz or Burakovsky, who just signed. So Mm -hmm. I just think it's a problem of there's like there's no room at the inn. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And and I mean, look, you know, you are obviously more educated on the player and, and the team than I am. But, you know, from, you know, 30,000 feet, if I'm looking at it, <laughs> I see a very delicate situation for the coach and for the organization. I mean, think about it. Like you said, this guy's a kid, right? The, mm-hmm. these, these young guys are, they're more, they're, a lot of them are a little bit more delicate right? Like it's a big jump to the NHL, especially from the OHL. It'd be one thing if you've been playing AHL minutes or something, but that's a big jump from the OHL to the, to the NHL. Um, so, you know, the coaches, he's in this situation where he has to, he's having to juggle three or four really tricky things at once, right? Which is, he's in charge of an expansion team that's expected to improve this year. That's expected to do better, right? Like he still has to improve this team. He also has to look after the sort of mental kind of psychological welfare of this young player. Like it, like getting sent to the OHL could be a bit of a blow for him. Right. Like, um, yep. I also see it as it's very possible. He sees Shane, Wright as like, look, this is a guy who could be a, a great asset to this lineup this year. He's just not quite there yet, but I'm not ready to send him down because I think he's going to fit into this team. Like there, there could, you know, there's so many things that he's having to juggle. If he sends him down, everybody's going to be mad. If he doesn't play him, everybody's going to be mad. If he plays him and he doesn't <laughs> do well, everybody's going to be mad, right? Like there's a, that's a tricky, tricky spot to be in. And I know very little to nothing about Shane Wright on a personal level, but if you think about it, a lot of these kids, they are the absolute best player around for their entire career until they get to the NHL. They're used to being the big shot. They're used to everybody saying, oh my God, you're amazing. You're starting, you're playing the most minutes, your first line center, you're scoring like hooray, hooray. And then these guys get to the NHL. And for a lot of them, it's the first time that they've been forced to be humbled a little bit. So yes. I... I, just knowing what I know about human nature, you can't tell me that there aren't that psychologically, mentally, it's a strange time for somebody like Shane Wright. And you know, I have to just trust that the coach sees some of that. Like, like I said, I'm not going to go out and say that there are attitude problems, but it's quite possible that the coach sees, like, hey, I have decided that the best thing for this guy would be to get scratched a few times. <laughs> just so he realizes that it's it's not a gift, it's not owed to him, right? I'm not saying, I don't know anything mm. about Shane Wright. I'm just guessing from the perspective of an NHL coach who's got an 18-year-old kid with high expectations, 
right? Like there's a reason he hasn't sent him down yet. Uh, he, he probably believes mm-hmm. like this guy could contribute here, but we need to one kind of get his mind in the right place, you know, to get his confidence and his playing in the right place. And like you said, like, where's he going to go? Cody glass had similar struggles on the nights. Like the Knights lineup was very stacked and there just wasn't a place for him to, to live. <laughs> and people were like, Oh, you yeah. need to develop him. And I said the same thing that you just said. It's like, well, what, what are they supposed to do? Like pull one of the veteran players that's earned it so that Cody glass can develop. Like it's a very fine line. Um, so I feel for the organization and for the coach that's it. This is a very, I wouldn't wish it on, on most people. That's a tricky, that's a tricky dance to do. It's a a tough situation. Very tough situation. And it's a great point. You just mentioned there about the, uh, the mental health aspect, because we have seen this with other players in the league as well. I mean, again, it's a typical thing where it's made to be that Seattle, uh, have done him wrong. I think it was one of the comments I saw today. And, and I just thought, Jesus Christ, like you're damned. If you do, you're damned. If you don't, if you're the coach or the GM now, because there's so much heat on it, but only the other week, Sheldon Keith came out after Toronto lost one of their games and made a point of saying that, about their elite players not stepping up or something along those lines. I said that, don't quote me word for word on this, but Sheldon Keith came out and he called out the Toronto Stars basically and said, you're not playing good enough. Words to that effect. He then had to come back out and apologize for making that comment, which I think is wrong. And the rumor is that one of the players, which they believe was Mitch Marner, didn't like the comment and said, don't speak about us like that. You know, like I don't want, it's, it's not fair kind of thing. To, but for me, that's kind of going what you're saying around this kid's used to being number one. And I think mm-hmm. that's why not going first overall hurt him so much because mm-hmm. he just assumed it was going to happen. I watched right. a video today of him being interviewed six months ago. And he says in that interview about that, he's, you know, he knows he's going to go first overall. And I just thought mm-hmm. like he's probably got a bit of a chip on his shoulder because he didn't go first overall. And that's not going to be helping him at the moment playing right. with that kind of, it's not it's drive, but it's the wrong drive for him right now, which is I need to prove everybody wrong. It's like, you don't need to prove anybody wrong, mate, because nobody is saying what you think is in your head right now, which is that everyone thinks you're a bust because nobody thinks that. And mm-hmm. people who think, a player after five games is a bust or a complete idiot. And, mm-hmm. and if you're listening to this podcast and you think Shane Wright's a bust already, then I'm sorry, but you're a complete idiot. Cause it's just, it's just not like, it's just, you don't know at this. It's so early. So Way many things early. can happen. Injuries, mm-hmm. you know, progression, line mates, influence from, from experienced veterans, all of these things matter in terms of your personal careers that, you know, that we have as, as, as human beings, but in sport, even more so. So for me, I think Seattle should just bite the bullet and send him down to, to, to juniors. But like you said, if they really think he can contribute, then fine. But he will, like everybody else, if he's going to want to play on the top line, or well, sorry, Shane, you're going to have to earn that by playing six minutes a night and showing us that you deserve to have eight mm-hmm. and then 10 and yeah. then 15 and then so on and so forth. Whereas right now, in fairness to to, to the to the Kraken, mm-hmm. they played him the first five games and he delivered nothing. Right. And that's not me having a go at Shane Wright, but I, but you can then understand why if Burakovsky's scoring every other night, he's not scoring enough because he's in my fantasy team and I wish he was scoring more, but he's scoring enough, right, that you can't... What do you do? What do you, like, Matty Beniers would be in the same problem, but Matty mm-hmm. Beniers is, is playing well. Now you could right. argue, yes, but he's getting he's getting that. I mean, it's not yeah, but he didn't when he first came in, and when he came in, the Kraken were in a very different position. I think that's the benefit sometimes of bringing the kids in for the last like two months of the year rather than mm-hmm. the first two months because your season is is either good enough that you're not going to bring them in anyway, or it's done, and right. they can play top line minutes because you don't really care by that point. And if you have mm-hmm. to sit some veterans, so what? Whereas right. for this season, the Kraken it, it matters. And they can't mm-hmm. afford to tank just to play Shane Wright. You yeah, know? That, that's exactly right. Yeah, you, he's totally having to do, he's having to do that dance right now. And yeah, look, who, who knows? Like I said, this is all speculation, but, and I think coaches are are more careful with veteran NHL players, guys who are adults, who have families, who've been around a little bit longer. 
But with some of these young guys, it's very possible, you know, that he just said, look, what this guy needs is to sit the bench for a few games, keep training with the team, (laughs) right? He needs a minute to kind of find his bearings and understand that like, it's not promised to him. Like he obviously sees some reason why it makes sense to, to keep him on the roster for a minute. And like like you said, it's, it's been three games, right? Um, and still I, what you're saying could very well be true. He may very well wind up back in the OHL. Right. Yeah. But, um, and who knows, like they're, they're protecting just like any company would. They're not going to be public about what's going on behind the scenes. That would be the worst possible thing for him. You know, this young kid in the NHL, they're keeping it private and they're keeping it professional. So whatever's going on, they're keeping it to themselves. And I think that's probably a good thing in this case. The last thing he Shane Wright needs and the organization needs is for everybody to be slinging mud about what Shane Wright did or what the coach did. Like this is a situation where they're probably smart to just keep it close to the hip um, and just let everybody speculate like we are. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Those damn media people that keep making these uh, assumptions, but I, yeah. So I, like, I hope that he, that he does play and I hope that he does, you know, contribute towards the team and, and, and this is a productive year for him. But if it isn't, in my mind, that kid is going to be an elite player. If it's not this year, it will be in the future. And right. I'm not worried about his development. So, yeah, it's so early. Very early. It's early. Exactly, my friend. Exactly. Now, to finish on a more positive note, the other talking point we had, and this is uh, one that I'll let you talk about, uh, JP, but was around locker rooms. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to me. I've been aware of this, but it, it, the stark difference between last season and this season so far for the Golden Knights really reminds hmm. me, and the fans are starting to notice it as well, the importance of locker room harmony. And the Golden Knights media, um, kind of their internal media team, has started doing something this year that they ha- that they've never done in the past. And that is actually show some footage of the locker room, of the coach talking to the players, of players talking to each other. Uh, like they were celebrating Phil Kessel's, you know, his big Ironman uh, achievement the other night. And and mm-hmm. normally in the past, the Knights have been incredibly private in that regard. And you're just not going to get anything, any picture of what's going on in the locker room. Now, maybe this is intentional. Maybe they're trying to dispel some of those rumors. I don't know. But everything that I see, the guys look like they're having a great time. And it's amazing how important that is. I, I really do believe, and this, some of the inside, some of the press insiders have said this, I observe this. I really do believe the locker room was pretty sour last year. I just think some guys were not getting along. I think with a season like that, of course, they're going to be super stressed with all those injuries, but I think it compounded and it showed that, that, the locker room wasn't a happy place. I, I think the relationship with the coach had soured with DeBoer. Um, and that really has a, uh, has a huge um, exponential effect on the way the team performs on the ice. Um, Cause it's right. that the lineup is, is, is changed some, but it's a lot of the same core. What's different this year, right? We're playing some different systems, but there's a new coach, but there's something that is injected joy back into the game for these guys and you can see it on the ice so i just was kind of struck by how important the psychology is and and how big a difference that makes you can put a team together with all the best players and if they're not clicking if they're not getting along if they're not feeling good if they're not having fun you're not going to get the results and i think that is probably more important than just about anything else right now and then winning makes for more happy and more happy makes for more winning. Right. But, um, but you <laughs> yes. can see it, the guys are having a good time. And I think maybe Phil Kessel's presence in the locker room has been really helpful in that way too. Like he's, a, it's interesting, you know, the fan base is getting to know him a little bit and they're talking about him a lot, uh, you know, in the press coverage and he's a really interesting guy. He's really hmm. humble. He doesn't really like interviews. He doesn't really like the spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, nope. and even during his, the big Ironman achievement and, you know, his, his, what was it? 400th career goal the other night and big night for him. And mostly, you know, they're like, how do you feel about this achievement? And what can you say about how far you've come? And, 
you know, Phil, Kels, <laughs> Phil Kessel's answer is really just like, uh, I mean, it's cool. Uh, you know, I'm just glad I'm still playing like, a, you know, just want to get back out there and keep playing. Like he just doesn't want to make a big deal out of it. <laughs> and you can yeah. tell like the guys love him for that. They just love him for it. I mean, the guy's been on the team five or six weeks and, um, you know, they were celebrating and cheering for him. And so there's just, it's nice to see that. I remember saying this last year during one of our episodes that the guys just need to find the fun again. They need to yes. have fun playing. They need to find the joy in the game and, and they're doing that. And I'm really stoked to see it because it, it just, the, the effect it has on their play when they're out there, they're creative, they're having a good time. They're loose, but not too loose. Um, yep. so yeah, I just thought, I, I think the whole locker room thing is fascinating. And most of the teams that go on a deep run or that win the cup at some point, they find that they find they that do. joy in the locker room. And then you're, you get to a point where you're kind of unstoppable. Like you start winning and you start believing. And that was the magic that the first year team had. Um, so it's yes. exciting to see that coming back to this locker room. Um, and, and it's apparent you can see it on the bench and, and the fans are starting to talk about it as well. So. Yeah, like I, I think you're right. I mean, we mentioned before we went on air about the when players get signed and you know they'll say, "Oh, he's a locker room guy," and and I and I think that's that for me shows how important it is. And, and I think about some of the teams recently, even you know, like Tampa Bay, the the locker room there is a certain way. I mean, they had people like Bogosian and, and players like that that were brought in, obviously skilled hockey players, as is Phil Kessel. But they just bring a little something to locker room. They've got a kind of nice, warm, too easy to get on with personality that that just mm-hmm. kind of gels everything together. And you kind of had that with Ryan Reeves, obviously, in the early years as well. And mm-hmm. um, it's it definitely feels for me as an outsider looking in um, that Vegas. It just everything's clicking. It just feels good, you know. The locker, mm-hmm. the the locker room. Obviously, we're not in there, but the team. You can kind of feel it when you're on the ice anyway. You can kind of feel the bits. It's a bit like you know a team where they're going for a bad time because they start having a go at each other. It's kind of the opposite when a team's going well. And it's obviously, look, it's so much easier to have a good locker room when you're winning, you know, three, you know having three games sure. in a week and you're winning all three games. I mean, obviously, that's it's, it's easier. Right. But I do feel like you've got the right personalities in that room. So you didn't change too much. Mm-hmm. You know, arguably people would say you lost more than you gained. Mm-hmm. But actually, so far, Phil Kessel has looked like an amazing acquisition from the Vegas management. Not because he's going to particularly score a bazillion goals, but he's just he's just an easy guy to have on in the team. And he can sit on the fourth line and and not really be worried about it. So and, yeah. and also in terms of Iron Man, because we didn't mention it earlier, but just for Phil. Yeah. You know. It's ridiculous it's impressive yeah. yeah so the man is like and this goes on for a little while <laughs> so, <laughs> but you deserved. know what i'm gonna play it out because this guy <laughs> has played a sh- absolute shed of get load of games i'm trying to work out how many games he's played but he's played a lot of games to be i mean the iron man record that was there already was ridiculous so yeah, it's 800 something oh my god I think. yeah and, and not have been injured throughout like that. that time um and thank you live studio audience for the uh, for cheering <laughs> is is i mean this guy is like 200 pound guy okay and it's not muscle just being honest yeah. um yeah. he's he's got like he looks he looks like the kind of guy who <laughs> you wouldn't put up if he said that his other job was to be an accountant i would look at him and go yeah i think that but right whatever he does it, it's just fantastic i love it i love it you know, yeah, I want to yeah. see this as the Iron Man, not some like Adonis of male fitness. This is this is much better <laughs> right. for me. I could look right. at him and go, fair play, man. So, right. Uh, okay, so I, so I was wrong. Um, I said eight hundred something. Nine hundred, isn't it? Something? Yeah, Kessel broke the record set by Keith Yandel last season when he got to start nine hundred ninetieth consecutive game. So I was off by a fair amount. Uh, he also scored his wow, 400th goal in in the game did. that he that he broke the record. So hey, it's interesting. A lot of people say that it's more it's less about his fitness, although I'm sure that's important, and more just about his hockey sense. Like, and if you watch him, there are guys that just know how to not get hurt. Like, it's something about they know how to dodge the hits. They know, like Carlson's kind of like that. Carlson yeah. doesn't get hurt much, and they they just know kind of where to be. They know 
wears trouble, <laughs> right? And and they just know they know how to absorb thirteen the hits when they years. Take them. Yeah, gosh. Like, I, I hear what you're saying, man. That's 13 years right? of four different teams. It's insanity. That's it, insane. I can't imagine playing one NHL game without getting hurt. I mean, it's a it's no. a rough sport, you know. Um, yeah. And there's some DNA there, right? Some genetics as well. I'm sure. Like he he probably is. <laughs> he's just built. He's just built right for the sport. But he's just built right. Yeah. Kudos to him. And it's it's a uh, he's an easy guy to like, at least with the persona that he puts out. Like when you see him in interviews and stuff, like you understand why the team likes him. Like he's just he's humble and you know. Uh, hey, he, he's he's flying the flag for dad bods everywhere. So uh, <laughs> exactly. fair play, man. Fair right. play. Um, but now, look, and look, fingers crossed on both the two things we've just been talking about: a that the uh, the locker room in in Vegas carries on, and, and b that uh, the Shane Wright situation resolves itself. But thank you very much for for throwing that question in, Rita. And, and do look, you know, if there are other things that people, we will always. Have, be doing these kind of topics going forward but if there are certain things you really want us to talk about do use the Kraken Knights Twitter handle or the Golden Steel one if whichever one's easier for you to just message into or comment to whatever you want to do is fine um, we will pick it up so that wraps us up for this week um, if I can yeah, my teeth will stay in for just the next five minutes <laughs> that would be that would be nice they can fall out after that but just just until we finish the podcast at least god damn it um, so uh, so yeah so so we are wrapping it up he says eventually um, we're going to have another full week of hockey because it is back and we are back um, so looking forward to that uh, so until then stay safe stay well keep enjoying it and if you are a Vegas fan and you're feeling like you need to temper your emotions a little bit because you're winning so many bloody games, don't. <laughs> Celebrate. Throw beer around. Do whatever you need to do. Just enjoy it because you never know. Vegas could be this year's Buffalo, and this streak could end pretty bloody quick. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then you're going to be wishing you celebrate those victories. <laughs> so uh, enjoy it. See you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>